I'm Andrew Zaki. This is the From the Pews podcast, where we have conversations about truth, culture, love, and power from a Christian perspective. The following is a conversation with Father David Hanna, priest at St. Mary's Coptic Orthodox Church in Chicago. Abuna, tell me about yourself before you were a priest. Uh, where did you grow up? Uh, what did you do for a living? So I was uh, I was born in Indianapolis, Indiana, Indiana. So a really like small town church. Um, I think we were probably like fifteen families, um, and uh, so we were a very tight knit community. Um, at, as I like grew, the church kind of also grew as well. And we ended up being like still like 30, 40 families in that in that mm -hmm. ballpark. Were um, you born there or were you born in Egypt? No, I was born in Indianapolis. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, and so then uh, like I think my the most like my childhood memories are just like basically living at church with our like close group of friends, we all lived mm -hmm. like a mile from church. So church was very central to, to like my childhood. We actually didn't have a priest till I was in like late elementary school, I wanna say. So we would pray on Saturdays and the priest would come and travel in. And, yeah. and then um, it wasn't till like, uh, yeah, I wanna say late elementary, we had our first priest um, and then we so we used to pray on Saturdays and then on on Sundays we'd have like little get-togethers, Bible studies, mm -hmm. hymns class. So yeah. and that was like have... my childhood. And then um, went to um, Purdue, which is the state school in Indiana. Mm -hmm. um, studied chemical engineering. Um, really loved chemical engineering. Was inspired by actually another priest, uh, Abunamina Dimitri. So Abunamina Dimitri, he's like. Uh, an older father and older brother to me. So he serves at uh, St. Mary's East Brunswick. So um, inspired to become a chemical engineer or just in life? No, so he uh, <laughs> he was a chem yeah, in both. But I say both <laughs> but, so he was a chemical engineer. He studied chemical engineering and he was a uh -huh. few years ahead of me at Purdue. And he was the one that really inspired me to study chemical engineering. So I, uh, I picked it up and uh, really liked it. And mm -hmm. then actually got my doctorate in chemical engineering and then um, from a school in California and then came back to Chicago and worked in the pharma industry here. And then um, God was, uh, God called me to the priesthood. Oh, so you spent some time in Cali. I did. Oh, I did. I spent five years. In, <clears throat> in oh, that's not some time. That's a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what's cool? 
Uh, UC Berkeley. Uh, up north. Okay. Up north. I've yeah. seen family up north. Uh, yeah. Where were you? Where were you praying and serving during that time? Uh, Berkeley. Um, so I was. Uh, I lived in Berkeley, and I I prayed at the Saint Antonios Hayward. So I'm not. Okay. So actually, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. up Choi Ray in Riverside. Uh, I don't know him. Uh, Saint Mina Riverside. Mm -hmm. I, I know the church. I don't know Benapshoi. Yeah. yeah, he's amazing. So he was from like, up north. He's from. He was from up north. He's the one that really kind of like mentored me, um, you know, during grad school and took care of me. He was a true father to me. So I owe a lot to um, Abunapshoi. Okay. So college, grad school, and then how like how long were you actually working having a career before you were called to the priesthood two years two years that's two really years. short yeah so i uh it's very funny i i was uh, i graduated grad school um moved from san francisco to chicago got married like all in the same week so graduation move marriage all in the same week <laughs> and, uh, so a lot yeah. of life events like yeah. um, you know so you're kind of used to Big life things happening fast it sounds like yeah kind of i guess you and can the calling <laughs> I'm, I'm always curious about the calling to priesthood and i know they're all unique stories mm -hmm. um but was it like uh something you knew was coming was it sudden like i imagine i imagine you were serving well you i mean you let me know were you serving in the church the whole time up yeah. until this kind of even so when I you were in hayward I would say um, Abunapshoi like really planted the seed um, when I was in San Francisco, and um, and so he kind of I would say opened my like my mind and my heart to to the to this even as this like as a possible option for me. Like before that, mm -hmm. I had never even considered it. I was thinking about, uh, you know, consulting, traditional fields. I was even looking at a professorship. So things like in the field of chemical engineering. And it was really mm -hmm. like um, the, the mentorship, uh, the mentorship of like Abunapshoi, who really kept telling me, you know, Abuna, or like, David, you should consider the priesthood. You should consider the priesthood. You should consider the priesthood. And... And then, so I, you know, and it was through like service in the church that um, I really felt like uh, like life is about service, and that's true whether you're a priest or whether you're not a priest. That mm -hmm. really the greatest thing that you can do in this in this world, this is for all people, is to serve God in whatever capacity you can. And so. Mm -hmm. um, when I started working, I, I kind of felt like this work is great, but there's there's an even greater work to do. And so mm -hmm. I think uh, when, um, you know, I, I had moved to Chicago. I didn't know anyone in Chicago except my wife. And but the church was very loving and they, they were very warm and and they uh, nominated nominated me to the priesthood. And uh, the rest is history. Yeah. yeah so i uh when when he said uh you should consider the priesthood um do you know what he meant by that do you mean like uh did he mean like this is something like what 
was he asking you in a in a way to be a priest at the church over there or was he just like what does that yeah mean? it was pretty direct uh, okay like, there was so no they, so they, he kind of wanted you to to serve over there as a priest yeah okay because i know there are some youth like uh young men who who just like you love serving in the church but i don't know if sometimes no one's told them you should consider this but they themselves want the priesthood you know i don't know yeah. if you've ever come across people like that but i haven't i don't look to, i don't think it's a bad thing or anything but what are your thoughts on that when someone is desiring the service because they love it so much i think uh yeah, that's a possible like option. I don't think we have, you know, we should limit uh, mm -hmm. the ability of of like our free will. I think what's most important though is it's not just my desire; it should be like also a calling from God, right. you know. And so as long as those two line up, and as yeah. as long as the call is there, I think that's what's like, you know, most important. You know, I think like. The Eastern Orthodox churches and other, you know, like the Catholic church, they kind of have a traditional route to priesthood, which is like you go to seminary and, right. and, and then you become a priest. And I think one of the beautiful aspects of the Coptic church is that there is like, you know, there is the like the flexibility, if you will, of like the spirit that, you know, anyone can be called no matter what background, you know. And so I think that's, we should appreciate that. And as long as God calls, whether I desire or not, that's, that's the most important. Okay, so you're in Chicago, you're working at this time. Uh, the congregation nominates you for the priesthood. You accept the nomination. What do you tell Big Pharma? Like, how does that work practically? Are you like, hey, guys, I'm going to be a priest next week? Bye. So like, what happens actually, to uh, <laughs> I told you about Abuna Mina earlier. Uh -huh. So it just so happened that Abuna Mina lived in Chicago for a few years. And he worked at the same pharmaceutical company that I worked for. Okay. And, and I mean, this pharmaceutical company is, is, is huge. It's like, and, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of employees and you know many many departments but it just so happened he's a chemical engineer i was a chemical engineer we ended up working in the same group with the same group of people and so um he left uh, like uh he left the abvi it was the pharmaceutical company he left abvi became a priest he didn't become a priest directly but they all know that he became they all know that he became a priest so he kind of already paved the way for me as well in that respect. So when I told them, you know, like when I put in my two weeks, I'm going to become a priest, they all were like, oh, yeah, like Nina. My, yeah, you know? <laughs> they'd so seen it, was, it before. It was actually very easy and they were very like congratulatory, congratulatory and it was it was awesome. It was very, and they were like, oh, this is great. And Okay, and then you just updated your LinkedIn after that? <laughs> <laughs> I actually cut my LinkedIn. I was like, I don't need this anymore. That's nice. Why? Why? Why do priests have to give up their their like secular job once they become priests? Is it? Is there like a actual like reason? Like, uh, or is it just you can't do both? Is, so there is a canon in mm -hmm. in the I think in the in the early church in the Didache, I believe, or in the Didascalia, like that the priest should be solely servants. But um, I think especially in our, like, in our culture and, and 
in our line of work, um, it's a full-time job. It's a full-time job, you know, yeah. like, um, to, we have, a, we have a big church and we have a big flock and everyone has needs and everyone has desires. And so, mm-hmm. um, I don't think it's possible at least in, in, in our parish to have like, uh, like a part-time role or it needs a full-time role here you yeah. know unless you ordained a lot more priests right yeah unless we ordained like, a lot yeah more the priests yeah. for monday through wednesday and then the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so i, I want to get into that like it is a full-time job and you know i don't i can't really the, the camera is really nice so i can't really tell if you have uh, white hairs or not but they start coming in fast, the white hairs, the gray hairs on priests. Uh, obviously, it's a stressful, stressful role. Besides what people see, you know, the liturgical services, um, what, what's like a, what's a typical, like, a day Tuesday, in the life of a priest? Yeah, yeah, what's a day, day in the life of a priest? So I, um, I typically... So my day has kind of evolved, if you will, like the days that I do now are a little bit different than the days that I used to do when I was like a a first year priest, if you will, (laughs) a rookie Mm -hmm. priest. Um, So nowadays, like I spend a lot of my time, like if you think about like, or my schedule, I have Bible study Wednesday, Thursday, um, sometimes Friday you know, sermon on Sunday, like, so there, there's a lot of, you know, like a lot of talks that I have to prepare. So now a lot of my time is spent preparing for, for, for those talks. So I'm like Wednesday, I have a Bible study. So I spend like pretty much a big chunk of time on Wednesday preparing for that Bible study on Thursday. I have another Bible study. I'm preparing for that Bible study. Um, the other parts are like the time slots for confession. Um, so I, I have some section of my day devoted to like meetings and confession. I have like an admin day. So I try to put like all the admin things that I need to do. I put them. Mm-hmm. So usually like Monday is my admin day. So you're in my admin day right now, you know, like, uh, <laughs> so, like I have a flex- the flexibility on Monday to finish the, like all the administrative things of the church. I try to knock them out on monday and then so like um and then i have a day for visitations so that day i try to knock out as many visitations as possible mm-hmm. so and there are also the fires and the random calls and things like that right oh like, yeah like how much how much of your time is dealing with that right like just yeah the, uh, like, uh, the other day the i got you know? the, yeah, the other day I got a call saying, Abuna, it's, uh, you know, someone's last moments. Can you come pray? So, yeah, you just have to be able to roll with it and, and go. So then there's definitely priorities and the fires. Mm-hmm. And you can't predict them and yeah. you just got to go. And then another big part of the schedule is like we have a lot of retreats, a lot of activities. So like, you know, like last night we just celebrated. I think we have like 10 or so seniors that graduated. Mm-hmm. Actually, we were... 15, 15 seniors, 14, 14 seniors, 14 seniors, 14 seniors. And um, so like, that's, that's, that's 14 graduation parties, 14 like graduations. So like, those are filling up my schedule right now, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, so you don't have time for uh, working out and stuff? 
I do. I oh, do. You do. I don't have time now, and that's why I'm. I've uh, kind of my my figure is a little a little heavy right now. But uh, I've what I've noticed. I've become. I, I work out seasonally. <laughs> like uh, I follow the church calendar, so I work out like September to February, and then the rest of the year is kind of a wash. So, <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. So the Montagna season. Yeah, like Great Lent, I find it very difficult to. To, to exercise you know because right, right. of the fasting and and mm -hmm. uh but yeah i try to i try to get some workouts in yeah how do you balance uh the responsibilities of the priesthood to your flock and you know we just talked about working out as an example but your own personal life balance your family um things like that and how do you how do you deal with that that kind of tension? I'm sure there is a tension of, hey, you're going to 14 other kids' graduation parties and you didn't go to little Bobby's uh, soccer game. You know, I go to my daughter's ballet practice every week. Okay. Um, so I I have like uh, thank God I've like been able to develop like a very I think most priests do the same. They have a very nice routine, a very nice schedule. I have my day with my family. I have mm -hmm. a day when like even my congregation knows not to call me on my like day off, you know? And so, um, and that's, so I think, uh, it's all about time management and, you know, making sure you're present even in the small time that you're there, like using that time wisely. Um, mm -hmm. and I think the family appreciates it very much. Yeah. I haven't seen this in the Coptic church uh, at all. It would probably be a scandal, but like I, I can only imagine, like I can imagine there's got to be a few priests who entered this as a calling and then they just get burned out. They're tired. It's like five mm. years, 10 years in and they don't want to do it anymore. They just want to move on and do something else. Yeah. Is that, a, is that a thing? Is that like, have you ever heard of that? Is that a thing? Cause I, I, I can't imagine every single priest wants to be a priest until they die. So I've definitely heard of a few stories I would say, and I, I can't deny that like ever so often, you know, you like service is very like humbling <laughs> in mm -hmm. a way. Cause you like, sometimes we have so many am ambitious ideas, right? And we, we try to do them and then like, you know, you have a Bible study and no one shows up, you know, I can't tell you how many times that's happened in my, like in my priesthood, in my service, we do like a big extravaganza, big, whatever youth meeting and like no one shows up. So like priesthood has its like, and, and that's just one example, you know, of like kind of de demoralizing moments. Um, so it can definitely like burn you out for sure. I think the key and the key that's been like, um, I think is so important is that to be constantly like refreshed through personal like reading, through your, your scripture time, through your own quiet time, through your own like spiritual life. Mm -hmm. Because like what I've found is that like finding joy and just reading the bible without like i don't need an audience to read the bible like i can read the bible by myself and i can take pleasure in doing that you know mm -hmm. and 
and and finding the joy in that that's what keeps you going through right like so like being filled um through you know in in our own spiritual life that's what keeps us going and when when like i found that when i'm spiritually dry those are the times that i'm most irritable most frustrated most you know like likely to give up or to get mm -hmm. angry or, right so and this applies to just any kind of servant as well. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, like any but any servant who's doing a service and doesn't see the fruits right away, it oh, is yeah. demoralizing. And but it's easier for someone who isn't, you know, wearing a cassock, isn't wearing black, to just walk away. Okay, this service is, you know, it's not working out. Yeah, I'm definitely. Out. Um, so for for those people, like, what is what is your advice to them? Because the highs definitely keep them motivated, right? Like. Oh yeah, this Bible. We did this Bible study, and wow, fifty people came. So let's keep going. But then, it's harder to deal with the lows. Yeah, I would say it's not about. It's about like, is the spirit there? Is uh, like, do you have joy in like washing the feet, like taking the lowest place? Like we have to remember that that's what real service is about. Real service mm -hmm. isn't about like the numbers and all the like the honor. Service is about doing. What nobody else wants to do and so mm -hmm. um i think if we have that spirit that that humility um those those intentions though that will drive us through sometimes the what we see as the difficult times right. and speaking of the numbers um we hear this constantly in the church right people are leaving the church fewer youth are coming to oh, yeah. whatever Fewer people are participating in this and that. Um, while it isn't the most important metric, it is it is still an important metric, right? Like how oh, many because it yeah. is kind of a reflection of the spirit oh, yeah. of what's going on in the church, right? If the spirit is alive and 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 you know in the church, I think there should be more people there. Does the church before we get into like you know reasons why this happens and maybe potential solutions? Does the Coptic Church? Maybe you can just speak about your church. Does anyone actually keep any like statistics or like records of, hey, this was our like participation in 2020, and now it's 2022, and or I don't. Maybe it's measured by donations. I don't know. But like, how do like how does a church besides an eyeball test of, hey, it looks mm. like the pews are, you know, emptier this month? Is there any more like uh, analytical way that the church is looking at attendance? So I, I know in our parish, like we take attendance in Sunday school. That's like, that's mm. the most like systematic, most analytical um, like measurement that we have. But um, I'm definitely conscious of the trends that I'm seeing, you know, mm -hmm. and like one trend that I'm seeing, I don't know if this is true in your parish or, but this is a trend in our parish is that um, attendance to liturgy is starting to to wane a little bit, you know, especially among our younger youth. You know, they, when they just don't have like the attention span to, and they don't have the desire, and maybe even parents don't have the desire to attend liturgy. So many parents just bring their kids for like end of liturgy and maybe Sunday school. When did uh, you start noticing that trend? Oh, I've noticed it for. <laughs> 
for a, for a little bit, but now I'm a little bit more vocal about it and I'm trying to address it a little more like head on. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I think part of the, like the reason for it is, um, and I hate to be so like blunt about it. I think it, it starts at the family and the priorities of the family. And so if the family doesn't set like liturgy as a priority, then it's like it's not being passed down to the kids yeah so um, what i notice is like on that point about the family and liturgy that is kind of troubling is i don't know if this happens at your parish or maybe it's an la thing because everyone has a car but like families don't go to liturgy as much together like as just one unit walking in it's like the kids will show up the parents will show up maybe even the kids will drive separate cars it yeah. doesn't feel like it's like a family entering in together to worship. It's just like a bunch of individuals, you know? Yeah. Um, I think it's a little different for like, you know, it depends on the family and the, like proximity to church, like a lot of factors there. Mm -hmm. But uh, one of the things that, I mean, like our high schoolers, they take multiple, like if you're in line, they take multiple cars to church because they want to hang out after they want to do. So, right. Okay. You know, yeah. so I, I think it's a it's a little complicated there, but my concern is that even like the the parents of our younger children, like in elementary, they are like bringing their kids late to church. You know, so mm -hmm. they're start, starting off this cycle like on on the wrong foot. You know. Yeah, and the church doesn't really enforce any kind of uh you can't take communion if you're you know i don't know the rule it keeps on changing if after the absolution after the gospel uh yeah. i feel like the church is very merciful which i think is a great thing um but what is what is that is there actually like a, a canon on this or what I mean, do you think what do you think like... should happen in that regard or and do you think it would actually make any difference so i i started to enforce a rule like and by enforce i mean if a deacon comes in past the like uh past uh, like after matins so like i i were i try to ordain like the tunics like once like that's my goal it was like <laughs> i'm only doing one like uh, one in the name of the father the son the holy spirit if you can't catch this though yeah <laughs> So anyone who comes after that, I kind of just give them like the death stare and I just look at my watch. And my... <laughs> but then I'll still bless their tunias. But like what I've noticed now is that like all of the deacons, they've come earlier. But now my issue is now like, so we'll have like the whole church will be just at the front and then the whole church will be like empty until like, like a little bit before the gospel like then you start to see a lot of people you know so do you, do you attribute any of that uh decrease in liturgical attendance to just the pandemic or do you think oh should, definitely should... i think the pandemic uh hurt us a lot but i also think it's like part of our culture i mean that we're just like we just love to be late to things and I think maybe there's like a, a fundamental principle that I think people don't understand is that like liturgy is like a duty. It's a duty. Like it's the work of the people. Like, like 
you know, I'm sure like there's days on Sunday I just want to sleep in, you know, but I can't sleep in because mm -hmm. it's my duty to be at liturgy, you know, and if I if I slept in, then the liturgy stops, you know, but right. if if anybody else decides they want to sleep in, like liturgy just goes on as usual. And because we don't have, we don't feel a duty or we don't have a sense of like, this is important for me or I have a value in the church, then it's okay if I come, you know, 8.30, 9.30, 10, it's, it's all the same. Like, yeah. Abuna's going to be doing his thing. The one or two deacons, they're doing their thing. And then we're just like spectators. And I feel like that mindset is really damaging to, to the church, you know? And do you think the the fact that there are also just so many liturgical services per week that people also I, I find myself doing that like oh I was there on Friday Sunday I'll come whenever I want um, do you think yeah, we I have think a duty like a for people... for Sunday in specific or just if we did one then <laughs> then you know Sunday's kind of like like you know, I think just practically people are like that, right? Like I went to one liturgy this week on time, whatever. So Sunday's like a, a cherry on the top. You know? Yeah, there was a there was a quote in the Apostolic Constitutions. And I can't remember the quote verbatim, but it was pretty much like what the quote said was. Worship is your primary business. Your primary business. And I think if we think about worship in that way, then like you work five days a week, you work six days a week, you work whatever. That's your like, and work, that's supposed to be your, your side business. Mm. That's what you're supposed to be doing. Just like worship is supposed to be your primary business. And so like, you know, to the people that say, oh, I went once a week. I think that like kind of gives the impression that like, okay, like, Cafe Aleya, you know, like that's enough, yeah. for, enough for me. But mm -hmm. I feel like you like we don't have this limit with with God, you know. We shouldn't have this limit with God. Right. Well, worship is your primary business. I like that. Yeah, worship is your primary business. Remember that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we kind of talked about many people being a little bit negligent with the church time they are attending but there comes a point in a person's life where i'm sure you've seen it and i've seen, I, I can tell from you know your sermons and your services that you're very passionate about the youth um where they decide maybe consciously or subconsciously that they'll just stop attending altogether yeah and from just my research and i don't know how accurate all these kind of statistics are and these polls are um, a majority of it, like over 70% uh, of when people stop going to church happens um, before they're 23. So mm. in, in the kind of the younger years. Yeah, and college may is very difficult too. <clears throat> right. And maybe years. from your own experience uh, as a servant and observing the church for all these years, you do see that people who s stay in the church and serve in the church till past 23 and those kind of younger 20 years they're they're they tend to stick around for for life maybe not with the same fervor but they do tend to stick around 
what's going on like what are what's going on in those younger years um that causes a lot of youth to um you know stop going to church as regularly or, or altogether what i have some thoughts but i'm just curious you know what, what have you seen i think uh college is very like can be very devastating college can be very very devastating because in college like um people pick up a lot of habits and a lot of like it's a like they learn a lifestyle that's sometimes they can't uh, kick off when they finish when they finish college so you know they get too used to the you know to drinking and to the parties and to the and that just becomes who they are you know like it becomes part of their identity mm -hmm. and part of what's like and I feel like some of that, and then at the same time, while they, well, they, they identify or they, they pick up that, that lifestyle, they also lose like their original community and their friends from the church. And so now they have a new social circle and a new, like a new, a new place to, a new group that they would prefer to hang out with, you know? And I feel like that kind of isolation from their church community and their old friends coupled with the new lifestyle makes it like very difficult for someone to leave that or switch, you know, when they're 23, 24 and, mm -hmm. and come back to something different. Okay. So I, I kind of, uh, you've hit on a couple of things in, in there that I want to explore yeah. first, um, the drinking, the, the partying, uh, just uh, just the sin, just living in kind of sin and, and those yeah. kind of things. Um, but the church at the same time, it's a, we call it like, right, like the, the, hospital. Uh, the hospital of sinners, right? So if anyone was, was sick, they would go, they would go to the hospital unless, and you hear this, I'm sure more than I do. Uh, oh, I don't feel welcomed. You know, people feel ashamed um, of going to church when they're, you know, they're living a life that you know would not be condoned by the church yeah um is that is, is that something they need to work on is that something the church needs to work on i think i mean yeah there's definitely like we we can work on becoming more welcoming and you know a person needs to work on offering repentance you know mm -hmm. and i think part of the the struggle is that Oftentimes we don't want to like, we don't want to offer repentance. You know, we don't see anything wrong with what we're doing. We know it's wrong, but we like, we've come to terms with it, if you will, you know, like I believe deep down inside, we know what we're doing is wrong. And I felt that before, but we just know like, it's too much to let go of, you know, like I can't mm -hmm. let go of my friend group. I can't let go of the way I'm living, you know? And then I think the 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 other thing that I, that's been on my mind lately is that once you start like once you're set and in, in your ways in, in one way, it becomes like there's sort of like social pressure to stay that way. You know, like ima imagine someone who like is gone off the deep end in college, right? Like, even if they have like an epiphany, <laughs> you know, or mm -hmm. the Lord appears to 
like imagine how awkward it would be for them to be like you know a superstar servant like the next day like to be like a saint paul like there's right. sort of like a social pressure that is like labels you as like you are this way so you should just stay that way and i i feel that label like is 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 kind of demonic you know because that's only a label that the devil would want to put on you like We'll take anybody who wants to do anything, you know? Where, where do you think that label or that pressure is coming from? From the friend group that's outside of the church or the people inside no, the church? I think it's demonic, to be honest. Mm. <laughs> I really think because, like, this pressure, like, says, like, oh, I can't repent. Oh, I can't, you know, I will never be a servant. Oh, like, I can't, I can't give Sunday school lessons. I'll never be a Sunday school teacher, you know? Mm -hmm. and then so we start putting like our own barriers and then kind of limiting the grace of god in our life i've seen that like so many times you know mm -hmm. um and for someone who is going through that and maybe they have confessed but another struggle i feel related to that is and i think this is you know I've heard the correct answer on this many times, but practically, I don't know if it's satisfactory to someone who is repenting and confessed of their sins that, that like feeling that Abuna still sees me as this other kind of person or whoever knows about this other, uh, you know, hmm. the former man, you know, who, you know, whatever sins I committed before, um, just walking around with that in the church is it's a burden the more a person does i think the burden may be harder um so i think that that is tends to be more in the mind of the individual and not in the mind of abuna i can say that for certain like uh well what, what can you tell a person like because i've heard that before but like I'm a human. If someone told me blah blah blah, someone did blah. I'm I'm not gonna forget it. Um, yeah, I don't even... think uh, there's like uh, I don't. I didn't say we'd forget it, um, yeah. but I I don't think we would hold it. Like we don't definitely don't hold it, especially in the sacrament of confession. We never hold it against you. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I think. Uh, we definitely, at least as priests, we we believe in the grace of God. We believe in the forgiveness of God. We believe in new life with God. So these are all things that we fundamental, like these are fundamental to our faith. And so um, I don't think the barrier is, is, is there. I think it's more in our own perception. Are we willing to forgive ourselves? Are we willing to let go of our past? And I think mm -hmm. sometimes we hold on more to our past than, than God does. God says, leave that past. You know, whoever is looking toward the kingdom of heaven should look forward, you know. Right. Okay. Besides the like uh, kind of extreme things of sin and uh, that stuff that lead people away from the church, there's also like just a, you know, practical things like just some people just get bored of church at a certain age um they don't feel the belonging of a community um 
how, how, how do you advise youth in those circumstances? Yeah, there's a lot. Uh, <laughs> so the, uh, the boredom at church, I think, has become very problematic um, these days because uh, I feel like we're just constantly stimulated and we've become used to being overly stimulated. You know, like I'm struggling with this with like the youth in our church, like how do you convince a kid that plays Fortnite, you know, 20 hours a week to come to church and stand still for, you know, three hours? Like the kids used to sitting there and going, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like that's so much stimulation. And then the liturgy, like the most stimulation we have is like, you know, like. Think about like, Abuna, think about like TikTok and Instagram that you're literally scrolling every second. And getting you're like in a whole different world with different oh, yeah. people it's 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 ridiculous it's crazy the amount of stimulation so i i feel like the the amount of stimulation that you know our youth are are facing that they're facing and like of course they're going to be bored in church and i think the remedy to this is is not like some people think oh we need to make church more like stimulating and more engaging and i think there's certainly some things that we could work on but i think the big issue is that we just need to like take a chill pill you know we need to not be over overly stimulated we need to be okay with sitting in quietness and peacefulness and and being able to read a book like that's to read a book now i'm not talking about the bible i'm talking about any book that's a challenge for many people now you know like we don't have the attention span for it and so I, I find that like uh, spirituality is even like now even more boring because now it's like it's it's a dense book, you know. And, like, so but we need to like we need to to learn to calm ourselves, to put away all of this like stimulus and and, and try to, to find peace with God. So I think that kind of addresses the, the boredom piece, you know. Yeah. I personally have purchased like maybe maybe over ten books this last year. I don't think I've gotten past like chapter three. Yeah, of any of them. It really is hard. I remember as a, a you know in high school and stuff. I could I could like blaze through books. It yeah. wasn't really an issue. Um, I mean now like you know you're sitting you know it's nighttime. Do you want to read or do you want to check your like social media? And oftentimes we just want to check our like. And so that mm -hmm. takes up or check the news or read whatever. And then, so we don't have any time for like spiritual reading, you know, yeah. or reading for anything for that matter. The other piece that you mentioned was about the community and building the community. Mm -hmm. And I think that piece like is a big, like is a struggle for sure. But one thing that I, I found is that community has to be centered around the Lord Jesus Christ. Otherwise, mm -hmm. then the community just becomes a social hangout and it becomes clickish. Mm -hmm. So if we put the Bible at the center, if we put like worship, if we put praise as the center of community, this is what makes genuine community. And oftentimes when we think of community, we think of just like social outings, we think of friend groups, we think of this. And I, what, I'm, what I'm trying to do and like 
in, in practice in our, is that community is about like the Bible study. Like Bible study is community. Like these are mm -hmm. your, you know, put the Bible at the center. And I feel the Bible has the ability to bring and form community in the hearts and minds. So uh, that's a challenge because like, you know, what do you tell like the young kids, you know, or, um, like I think you, it, it's it's not easy. I know what I'm saying is not easy, but I feel like this is the true path of community is to be, it has to be Christ-centered community. I think one thing that might make it easier if, is if the community that the church uh, was offering the youth was something that they could easily bring in their outside friends to. So they don't, you don't have to have this separation of, okay, this is my soccer team on the weekends. And those are my friends when I do that. And then I have like my friends that I have Sunday school with, if we could have our lives be kind of intertwined without separation, without compartmentalizing and the church communities, a community where I could just bring anyone to and invite them to, um, it would help in my opinion. But that's, yeah, that's also a little hard to do, I feel. No, like. I think actually like um, what I've seen, what I'm seeing now with our youth, our youth are much more comfortable inviting their friends to things. Like we have like football on Sundays after church some weeks. Mm -hmm. and all the youth like bring like some of their friends and actually their friends are like amazing they're so wonderful and they're like hey father david how's it going and they're like, <laughs> you know yeah. they're really respectful and like i feel like they have like interest in in in, in the lord and in christianity and orthodox christianity so may god use all these avenues as opportunities to bring people mm -hmm. and on the flip side the church engaging with the community outwardly as opposed to you know waiting for them to Definitely. come in if the Definitely. church you know as a group goes to uh whoever's soccer game and you know now everyone's yes. seeing them participate and, and cheer them on and it, and it works so it works both ways um and i think that kind of addresses kind of you were speaking about the numbers mm -hmm. and the decline i think this is something we're going to have to learn <laughs> sooner rather than later because these are the people that are going to be filling the churches in the next generation you know like i think um you know our generation and maybe our parents generations like they established churches this is what they knew right but now our generation they have a choice and many are choosing not to be part of this church. many are choosing to be part you know and so the ones like we have to find the others who want to choose, who want to be part of our church, you know? Mm -hmm. When you hear about a youth or a parent comes to you, my son, my daughter is not going to church anymore. How do you determine like how you're going to approach that situation? Um, someone told me a while back, think of it as like, there are the lost sheep and there are, the prodigal sons you know some mm. of them you just wait for with open arms and some you need to be chasing after and going to minister to um in your own in your own ministry how do you how do you handle those those situations 
it's funny you asked that because literally this morning I got three of those like text messages, yeah. like you know. Um, but I think what I've realized over, you know, I think my answer would have been different, you know, year one of priesthood than it is now. Mm -hmm. But right now, I have, like, trust and faith in God. Like, he is the good shepherd, and and he sets up the opportunities for what I would call, like, a visitation of grace. For this person to, to come to the Lord. And so my prayer is, dear Lord, put me in the right situations that I can give a message to this person that is suitable for them, you know, to come to you. And mm -hmm. so I don't have like a standard formula or a playbook or like call them. And actually many of the times the parents will call and say, I want to please call and do this. And I don't do it, to be honest. Not because like sometimes they get more disgusted by, <laughs> you know, yeah. and more annoyed by. So it's better to like, and, and, you know, what St. Paul says in Corinthians, I find is so true, is like, I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. Mm -hmm. And so I can plant, and I've planted, maybe I've called once or I've called twice, I've planted, you know? Like, anymore, like, you're just, like, beating someone, like, you're just being annoying at this point. Right, so right. I think you ha we have to wait for, like, God to to give the increase, and I think uh, I know that's kind of like a, a cop out answer, but I feel like um, like really I feel powerless. Like mm -hmm. the truth, like can't like we are instruments in the hands of God, and we God moves us, and however He moves us, will do it, and He will do the rest. You know. And so this really, I think, if a servant has this mindset, though, I think this will cause them to pray more, to be, you know, like, it's not just like, oh, leave it to God, God's going to do everything. No, it's like, now I feel a desire, like, these are the things which fill my prayers, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think if you look at the scripture and you see what, how, like, St. Paul prayed, He's like, I always make mention of you in my prayers. Like, he had this heart that, you know, was caring for each individual. And it was through prayers and that he was such a great, uh, uh, a great shepherd and able to save so many sheep. Yeah, and this reminds me of a story, I think, about a Bunup Shoy camel. I might be butchering it. Um, but basically, this young lady was going to leave the church. Uh, or something and then he's like running after her in her car and like hanging on to, hanging yeah, yeah. onto the car and he won't let her go until she says okay finally sorry all right abuna i'm gonna come back or whatever um and i think people feel that they need to be doing the same thing like i'm gonna call this kid every day i'm gonna visit the house i'm gonna do this and that um I mean, don't get me wrong. Today, I texted like <laughs> I texted maybe 30, 40 people I didn't see, you know, yesterday. Uh -huh. So I still do those things, but like at the end of the day, it has to be a visitation from of grace. You know, it has mm -hmm. the Lord has to move in the hearts. You know, 
whether it's through my words, whether it's through their own experience, whether it's through, you know, mm -hmm. like a lot of times parents are like, can you please ask this person to confess and do all this stuff? And I find that that doesn't really foster like a genuine like repentance, you know, mm -hmm. it's better to let the person or the youth come to their own repentance on their own time. You know, that's so much better than Abuna. Uh, can you come confess today? You know, first of all, it's embarrassing. Second of all, it's not genuine. Like there's many reasons why. Like, yeah. How do you deal with that maybe feeling of personal responsibility, guilt, or whatever of, you know, this is your son as well, right? Like you're you're the father, you're the priest of the church, and this is maybe someone who was in your Sunday school class, someone who attended your Bible studies, and they no longer do. Um, obviously, it's for the parent themselves. That's why they're reaching out to you. They must feel bad about this, like they failed as a parent. Do you, do you feel the same way? And how, how do you deal with that? Oh, definitely. <laughs> oh, definitely. Um, but I take it with faith, you know? I take it with faith. Like, and, and, and that's why, like, I feel like the church has to be improving in the program. Like, we need to be thinking of ways to enhance our service and to grow our service. And, you know, but at the same time, I trust in... in in the good shepherd and i trust that we are in his hands and the devil can never snatch us out of out of his hand you know mm -hmm. um so i take faith and i take uh i take uh the promises of god seriously and i trust in like our own experiences testify to the same you know mm -hmm. like you know, a lot of these kids, they do a lot of dumb decisions. When I was a high school, you know, I made, I didn't make all grid decisions, to be honest, you know? And so, mm -hmm. like, it's hard to see the future and see what, like, God has in store for some of these, these youth. And we're just so focused on the present and, oh, this is so bad and this is so... But sometimes God can use the bad that they're doing now to convince them of of the truth and they will be so convicted of the truth that they will be the best servants ever and so i have faith in that to, that mm -hmm. god can use whatever trial or whatever sin that these are doing and this will convict them of sin and this will convict them of the grace of god and the mercy of god and many of them will be you know if not all, God, God willing, all will be, you know, the best servants and the best ministers and the best priests and the best mm -hmm. everything, you know. You've mentioned faith a few times. Is that the hardest circumstance that you deal with when a young person has lost their faith? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. I, de I definitely think so. I'm... Because that one requires so much, like, patience. And there's usually a lot of reasons and a lot of, like, maybe it's family. Maybe it's relationships at church. Maybe it's a lot of... So there's a lot of layers there. And to try to, like, peel that onion is, like, it takes time and takes patience. And mm -hmm. It takes a lot of, uh, a lot of effort to... 
to to overcome those challenges. Yeah. So we're talking about young people in the church and we've hit on technology and its influence on young people and the oversaturation of things we see and overstimulation. And I wonder like how, how the church can use technology to, um, for the ministry. Uh, I don't know if you, you remember, I don't know if this kind of debate happened uh, where you grew up in Indiana or, or Chicago. Um, uh, or even up north, but I remember when they first started introducing uh, TV monitors into the church, and it was like the biggest, you know, divide ever. Like, no, blah blah blah, and now it's totally casual, totally normal. Um, but I wonder if the church is thinking about that ways to use technology. I know you're involved in the Katina app. Could you tell us a little bit about that and what your involvement was? So uh, Katina is a great app. Um, its founder is a very close friend um, to me. Um, he, the Katina app, they started a, uh, a way to, you know, Katina is about patristics and about getting um, commentary on the Bible from the church fathers. And so the idea is that you can click on any verse and you can see what the church fathers say on that verse. And they had came up with this great idea that sometimes people don't want to read commentary. They would rather hear commentary. And so um, they asked a few people and they found a lot of like uh, good Orthodox Bible studies, a lot by His Grace Bishop Yuf Yusuf and a lot by uh, many others. And um, what they did is they parsed those videos so that if you wanted to, if there's a verse of particular interest to you, you can like jump to that part of the Bible study to hear the, the explanation. And so they asked me to record a few Bible studies for them. And, mm -hmm. um, it was like, it was a great blessing. And I, I learned a lot. It was a great opportunity to go through all the patristics that yeah. were in Katina. And so I would like read all of those patristic and like all those commentaries and then sort of, uh, present them back. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think like what they're doing is really fascinating and so, so easy to use and accessible. Um, just being able to click on a verse and, and see all these commentaries, like it's really phenomenal. I'm personally, uh, just some feedback now for whoever's listening. I'm not really a big fan of the video thing. Um, yeah, they kind of cut the video thing. Or they, they stopped promoting it as much. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, that feedback as well. Because unless someone's doing a targeted video like you were recording, um, it's a little more rare that a, a, a sermon, unless it was a Bible study on actual verses, to be, sp be so specific. Um, so they, they did try to focus on Bible studies. So it would be like verse by verse, like interpreting. Okay. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you were involved in that. Um, are you aware of any other, like, projects that are using technology or apps so i think a lot of uh you know i think I've, I've heard of a lot of things and a lot of developments but i think there's definitely a great role of technology like in the church like for instance like i'm sitting in uh, a studio in our church right now mm -hmm. and this was put together by many of the youth in our church and so getting them into to use technology and drama and 
in in podcasts you know there was a group that was doing like there's many ways to use technology to promote the the gospel to promote there's many ways to use technology to promote the gospel Um, do you think technology could be used in a bad way for example like if i was running a business i think like the church model would be so inefficient like if I had an employee sending 30 to 40 personalized texts. I don't, I can only imagine how long that took. Um, Whereas you could probably download some software, you plug in different names, you can plug in personalized information as well. And it just auto sends texts like on someone's birthday or, you know, you have your Sunday school attendance and it's like, Okay, missed, and it auto. Yeah, we use all of those techniques. Oh, you do. (laughs) We use all those techniques. Some of them are good. Some of them aren't good. But like, for instance, when I sent those texts, I had our directory, and I was going through our directory, and so it was very easy to click. You know, write a quick message, send, go to the next person, and so, you know, we definitely use technology to 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 do things and use yeah. And we have uh, Instagram and, and Facebook and all those different forms of media that, uh, yeah. uh, so that we can reach everyone. But you don't have a TikTok page, do you, Abuna? I do not yet. Good yet. Oh, you're going to make one? Um, <laughs> right now. I, so to be honest, uh, yeah. like... Um, I'm like, I've set a pretty like strict rule for myself in social media use because yeah. I find it to be a big like sink for of mm-hmm. time. So um, I, I think this is this that would be a great like service project. So if I could find a youth that would dedicate to, yeah. to running a TikTok page for me, I'd be down to do it, but I'm not going to do it myself. Well, one thing I think about is like, if the church starts going that route, like, are we just feeding into the oversaturation, overstimulation, and let's just dumb everything down into like 10 second clips? Like, should the church be like, no, we're not going to engage in TikTok and Instagram. If you really want to understand the gospel, you got to struggle. You got to listen to more than a minute clip. Um, Yeah, I think uh, there's, there is some truth to what you're saying, but I also think there is truth and, and value to using. It's a platform and it can be used effectively and, and it can be used for the glory of his name. So um, like my newsfeed on like any of these is, is probably very different than what the newsfeed is of like one of our youth, you know, like mine mm-hmm. is like every Orthodox church, you know, and like I see like Coptic spokesperson and all these things, you know? So, um, and it is a great way to see what's going on and to, to hear and to see. And so I think there is some value. I think mm-hmm. a big value to it, actually. Um, I do hear you, though, that we don't need to, like, we don't want to add into the overstimulation and, and kind of reduce things to, to like, 10-second clips. But... Yeah. Um, maybe that's why I'm not on TikTok yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and what about like uh, just becoming a personality, right? Do you like do you contend with that? Like, 
just being known generally, just nationally, uh, putting out more content. Uh, so to be honest, um, I don't uh, like, because I find social media to be very like toxic, at least that's my, my experience with it. So I, mm -hmm. I don't do so, like I don't do any social media to be honest. So, so someone manages your pages. Yeah, someone manages and they post and they do. And, okay. And that way, I don't need to. I don't care how many likes it gets. I don't care whatever. You know, someone tells me, "Oh, this post did well," so I say, "Thanks. It didn't yeah. do well. It doesn't bother me." Um, I find that to be like the best. I don't have to worry about the personality. I don't have to worry about anything. Um, so, it. Uh, I kind of shelter myself from that temptation, you know. Mm. And actually, I found that, uh, like, if I was doing it by myself, I was doing a terrible job of it. Like, I would never post because I don't, <laughs> I don't. This isn't my like thing, you know. Like, it's not my talent. I I stick yeah. at that stuff, you know. Yeah. So, you know, to each his own. Let the people who know how to do this stuff do this, and mm -hmm. and get that stuff out and people like it they like it if they don't it's then you know yeah and I, I like that it gives uh people with those talents the opportunity to use them definitely um, i feel like you know you kind of mentioned sunday school a few times i think a lot of young people think or a sunday school or bus that's that's all i that's all i can do um but with all this technology and social media and just even doing the the mundane things that that we were talking about, like the statistics and, and sending oh, out yeah. mass emails and things like that. That's all like things you would do at work if you had those kind of jobs. Definitely. Um, no, I definitely think like, uh, you know, in the litany of oblations, we pray for all those who bring their offerings and the wine, the oil, the first, the incense, the altar coverings, like, I feel like soon we need to adapt to this litany to include the IT department, those who brought them. And I'm being dead serious. Yeah, yeah. Like, because now the offering in the church isn't the one who brings the altar, the altar right. coming there every time, you know? Yeah, yeah. So the ones, the oblations now are people are bringing their, you know, their time, their service, their, through like the, the streaming services, who's managing the cameras, who's doing, you know, a lot of the behind the scenes uh, right. work. So there is more to the service than, than what kind of meets the eye. Mm -hmm. And we can see like from other, you know, what's been successful outside the Orthodox church, right? Like it, it, the Katina app is, you know, it's starting and it's, it's growing, you know, but the, I don't know what it's actually called. I think it's just the Bible app. I mean, that thing's downloaded like, Oh, I love you, the YouVersion Bible app. Yeah, and I'm always yeah it's, telling, it's such a great app. Um, and I'm always telling, um, did I ruin something? I felt like I just knocked something out. Uh, you sound, you're, you're good. Oh, sorry. Um, um, sorry. Wait. Sorry, what were you saying? Say that again, that last part. I was talking about the YouVersion Bible app and how that's that's a really right, mainstream. One more time. say that again because i wasn't looking at you sorry <laughs> okay <laughs> it's the last time buddha yeah yeah uh, <laughs> uh the U version bible app uh, saying that it's so mainstream and accessible and it's downloaded i don't know how many millions of times 
Um, so we can look at, at things like that and what, what makes it successful and, and try to emulate it. We don't have to reinvent the, the wheel. Oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I love the version. I, I use the version almost on a daily basis. So it's what's your, what's your favorite uh, translation to use? Um, so I, I like to use a few. I, I like to use obviously New King James uh, and then um, NSRV. Uh, NRSV? NRSV, sorry. NRSV, mm -hmm. dyslexia. Uh, um, and then um, I like the GNTD mm -hmm. um, that has the Deuterocanon. And that's, I think, is very useful for some of the difficult passage. That's kind of tends to be a more of a, like a paraphrased, you know, on the spectrum of the, like, direct translation versus, like, paraphrased in meaning. Mm -hmm. um, that one tends to be more on... On the meaning translation but sometimes it's nice to hear a verse and and what it means kind of like the amplified bible like where it gives like extra context to the you know to the verse so i i i love using all of them to kind of paint mm -hmm. and see what and then obviously using the original greek and there's lots yeah. of tools for that so i think uh you version is an excellent tool and i think what's what's also nice about you version is the bible plans yeah. So they have like uh, Bible plans, so it can schedule out your Bible reading for you every day. So I really like that. And Katina also now has that. Uh, yeah, that I like the search function. I like being able to. Sometimes I want. I'm looking for something. I might know like three words of the verse. Yes. Um, and I I just want to find it. Yeah. I wish I wish the same thing applies to like hymns. Sometimes I don't know what the hymn is called when it's said. Um, but I know like four words and I'm like, come so, on, uh, come on. Uh, what's it called? Coptic reader. Like, you know, let's, let's get the search function in here. I think they do have a search function in Coptic reader. Actually. You must have the, uh, beta, the, the, unlocked, like the, no, the special Abuna right premium I've version used or something. It, but I've seen it. So if you, uh, really? if you swipe, uh, like if you're in a prayer and you swipe, uh, right, I think you can search. Like search within a prayer yeah oh no, i'm just talking about like i can't i don't know what i'm even looking for i just yeah. like a google kind of thing yeah <clears throat> next uh next version yeah next version do you have any other like apps or things that you recommend to people to use um so let me peruse uh my phone right here so um, big fan of the Coptic Heritage app if you're into uh, hymns or mm -hmm. if you want to learn hymns, there's uh, the Coptic Hymns app. It's by the Heritage of the Coptic Church. And uh, I, I love that app. I've learned a lot of hymns through the classes. If you open the app at the bottom, there's a, a spot for classes. And they have like all the seasons of the church. So you can go like Holy Week and click and you'll see like all the Holy Week hymns. And then you can find like, you know, any hymn. And then when you click on it, it's the actual like class. It's like a, a hand class, you know. Oh, nice. So it's like you can just play it while you're driving and, you know, they repeat the same part 10 mm. times till you get it. And then you can move on. So I, I really like that one for for hymns. Um let me see what else I have. I have Ancient Faith Radio. Um, so there's a lot of great podcasts up there on there. 
I have Upper Room, so a lot of great sermons on Upper Room as well. Yeah, you have everything I have, Abuna. <laughs> I don't have the uh, I don't have the hymns one anymore. I stopped uh, stopped learning hymns a while back. Yeah, me too. But uh, but it's nice to have if anybody's out there and they want to learn hymns, uh, yeah. they want a resource for all the hymns of the church. <clears throat> I think that one's a great one to have. Yeah, someone should create some kind of cool technology for like Hazet. I feel like that's the the hardest thing ever. Like if someone could just make something easy for that. So, there's a, so another app that I have now also is uh, Coptic Hymns in English. They have an app as well. And part of that app is there's, um, it's called C-H-I-E. And that app, they actually have like musical notation. So they actually have the hymns. Mm-hmm. With them. So I think that's like even better than Hazet because like Hazet are so subjective. They really are. <laughs> so, like, musical notation is yeah. For anyone who doesn't know what Hazet are, they're just what basically lines on paper that indicate vowel sounds or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's old school. I remember my Ma'alim just giving us like his notes, these long pieces of paper. And, yes. Uh, but his style became my style. So whenever anyone gave me something different, it was like a foreign language. Like, I can't use this. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, well, so much fun talking to you, Abuna. Uh, I don't want to take up more of your time. That's my blessing. Uh, but I really appreciate it. And, and uh, hopefully uh, I'll travel to Chicago soon and, and see you in yeah. person. We'd love to see you. You're more than welcome. And uh, thank you for having me.